and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. And I'm joined today, as ever, by Mr. Quentin Smith. Hello, Matthew Lees. I say as ever, he wasn't here last week, but apart from that, he is. And uh, the wonderful Lee Alexander. Hello, everybody. If you don't know, he's uh, one of the most talented writers in the industry. Oh, which stop. Is very cool. It's no. true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, yeah. I know that we've been playing a lot of similar stuff, so it might be another... Another, another redux of uh, similar things this time. And those have been a lot of Metal Gear Solid Five. I know you guys have been playing lots of Until Dawn. We played it as a as a couple, and uh, that and yelling at the screen whenever you get a choice to make. And then it's always you know the other person's fault, whichever choice you pick. Like, I tried to play it as a couple, um, but uh, my girlfriend just said it was a crap teen movie that went on forever. <laughs> And I, think I mean, as, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> the thing is, as somebody who doesn't play games, she's just not wrong at all. It's like, if you don't understand games and you're just watching it, you're just like, it's just somebody like that bit where somebody's running through the woods scared, but it goes on for like, instead of being like 10 seconds, it goes on for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And trying to explain to somebody who doesn't do these things, why that's okay well, and this, not just bad. The sell for me is that we've seen a bunch of crap B movies, but this one, when you yell at the dumb teens to do something, they will listen. Yeah, you know? that is, wow, that's a good marketing. You know how many times you watch these films and go, oh, don't go in there, yeah. or no, be nice to him, or oh, I hate her, I hope she dies. You can control that, which is kind of, I think that's kind of but neat. I that- still can't bring myself to kill them. <laughs> I did. <laughs> the strongest point the game had for me, there was a bit where in a cutscene, um, a girl uh, scrambled along a particular thing. See how I'm being very vague here. No spoilers. She was scrambling along. Scrambling along a thing. And I went, don't scrambble along a thing. Like I actually yelled at the TV. Lee will back me up to this. And then it said, it like gave me a QT going, do you want to get off the thing? I'm like, yes, get off the thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. That's... When you're going, no, get off. Don't go in there. You have the opportunity to actually give actually do that, them yeah. that command. And in that respect, I think the bubblegum and the fluff and the predictability of the characters becomes fun because you're sort of having the chance to experiment with these tropes and, and boss them around. And and I wouldn't have wanted it to be narratively innovative. Yeah. Um, I liked that it was, uh, that I so much knew what to expect um, structurally because then that made it fun to experiment and make choices and you, you have the constraints in which to predict what you think yeah, is going to happen. I agree. And I think that's what I really liked about it. It's the fact that most of the times when uh, when video games try and be like a genre from a film, they just try and emulate it. Whereas yeah. this, it took the genre and said, well, what can we do with this? And it, it, it kind of played its to uh, the game's advantage and made a game around the shared knowledge that you have. Yeah, re- retrospectively, like, I remember watching Gravity, um, the movie that came out last year, and thinking, oh, this really should have been a video game. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever seen Cabin in the Woods... That is a better suited plot for a video game than... I, I think Cabin in the Woods is the best video game that was never made. <laughs> uh, if you've not... I, again, yeah. don't want to spoil that one, but that's worth seeing. Cause yeah, I mean, actually, when I started playing this, uh, I was wrong, but I was like, at first I was like, is this just going to rip off Cabin, Cabin in, in the, the Woods? Woods? Yeah. <laughs> I got a real... Quinn said yeah. that a few times too. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for the choice-driven games that, you know, this is modeled upon. It borrows a lot of techniques from, say, Telltale games and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe one of the weaknesses, and, and it's to be expected that an experimental form would have weaknesses, is that sometimes they take themselves too seriously. You're not mm. sure how much to believe in the characters or how much to invest in the circumstance. Like... You're tr- you try to sort of extrapolate forward what the logical consequences of a decision you're making is going to be, and you don't know how smart the game is or how deeply it thinks about people. Sure. In this, you know it doesn't. You know, you have a whole bunch of, like, teen, teen slasher flick characters, and that makes it a lot more fun to make choices. It does, yeah. yeah I mean, superficiality. You can count on the superficiality. We yeah. did a, a, a video on this, which would have been live a few days ago, talking about, like, why the decision-making is clever and 
and uh, some stupid skits and stuff, and people should definitely check that out. <clears throat> but just to expand on a point uh, I mentioned briefly in that video, holy shit, does Until Dawn feel like a PS2 game? Like, uh, yeah. and I wanted to, to discuss this because the first thing that happens when you get control, like, it's like you can open a menu and you hit R1 and then you've got... <laughs> There's pages and pages of unlockables you haven't found yeah, yet. Yeah, and like stats and it's like, ah, oh, you're playing, you know, Beatrice, she's only four out of ten funny, but she's <laughs> six out of ten romantic. And she's so, so angry with David. <laughs> yeah, like all yeah. the relationships. And the brilliant thing is like when the proverbial curtain goes up on the game, you're standing in a dark room with like objects blinking and you've got the tank controls. I'm like, is this Fatal Frame 2? Like, yeah. Awesome. It is really weirdly dated and yeah. yet it comes with this incredible level of production values and polish. And the yeah. controlled camera angles, the resi and the, the, the and Silent Hill ca- people uh, composition. Sort of, uh, running man or moonwalking against uh, door frames and yeah. stuff trying to find their way through. You know what, Like, I think a lot of the time there's a lot to be said against uh, console exclusives and a lot of time people go, oh why do we have to have these exclusives, they suck. Games should just be available to play regardless of platform. I completely agree with that. However, I've got to say, I do particularly like the occasional style of thing you get like this, where instead of it being like, hey, if you buy an Xbox, then you get this well-known brand earlier, or you get extra DLC for this well-known brand, Sony especially always seem to have this approach of just doing these weird showboats of being like... Yeah, we are a brand... It's part of their marketing. We're a brand that invests in highly in weird experimental stuff. And that's, that's sort of why you have this not why people would develop a non-specific loyalty to PlayStation as a platform sure. over Xbox because they have the idea that it's a company that supports you know cool weird stuff with money because playing it you think they're not going to get their money back on yeah. this like you just get a sense but you know like, well, they're is- professional actors it's some of the best face and voice capture I've ever seen and if you play it there's a lot of making off anyone who's interested in how these things get done in how you know voice and motion capture are done there's a lot of stuff that you might enjoy watching oh it does have my favourite trivia that I've seen before and how uh, to mocap videos but the way they do gun recoil you know the actual <laughs> like with the ping pong ball and the biro marks in the face and all that stuff and you have someone with a like a 2 by 4 ball Banging against the edge, the the barrel of the gun, so like the physically hitting it, so the person looks like recoil. Cool. Yeah, loads of that stuff. I also saw like, God, there's so much fun. Like, I need to you, watch this. You tie a rope if you want someone to be put, blown over by an explosion. Uh, you like tie a rope around their waist and just pull them over. <laughs> a stunning amount of effort was put into this game, and. I really, really del- delighted in the performances. They felt organic in a way that I'm not sure that I've experienced yeah. in a video mm. game before. I, think it, it, I mean, I have a lot of friends who do professional voice acting. I don't want to insult them, but I think a lot of the actors were uh, recorded all in the same room together and working. Imagine that. I think they were mo-capped really naturalistically <laughs> yeah. around what they were saying, so it didn't feel artificial or dubbed over. Yeah, they they did the um, uh, body acting. Like, if you're climbing a ledge and speaking at the same time, they mo-capped both of those things at once, facial and It's a body, different kind of dick, isn't it? Because I, I think that like most of the time we used to play like um, sort of dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what is this? <laughs> is this a UK term? No, no, no. I just mean like um, until Dawn had motion captured dicks. No, is this? no, that's too expensive and pointless. Um, but no, no, it's, it's got it's, eight, one point. I have I to s- go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Listen, it's basically it's the fact that like, I mean the the characters. I really didn't like a lot of the characters, right? But in most of the time, I remember, especially in like kind of uh, Xbox 360 era games and all that. Um, it felt like the protagonist of every game you played was a dick Um, but they were just dicks in a way that they were just these weird cynical thoughtless things that didn't really have any personality here are my canned wisecracks no these are people Mm. you're not supposed to like I think the fact that they are these kind of dorky tropes and the people that you love to hate in slasher films Again, makes for interesting choices because there is a way to play the game where you try to get them all killed. But it's you know, like yeah. it's fun. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's just it was the fact that they managed to do it with 
this incredible, like you can tell it's acted in the same scene and sometimes just subtle mannerisms, like a character would shrug in a certain way, which made perfect sense. Like, yeah. You. And you think, yeah. I hate you, but it's fine. because You're at least something, you know, I can get behind hating. You're a real thing. It's I mean, a lot better than, say, in The Walking Dead, where you have nice child and man who wants to steal all the food. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and racist. Yes, yeah. exactly. But which one gets the biscuits? I, did, I, did I tell you that Lee and I went to a, a talk, which was um, the telltale stats of that, that scene? It's like, who do you want to give biscuits to? And so many people gave biscuits to the racist. I think I did. Because it's like, yeah. I think that people can smell insincerity and they try to mess with it. No, no, because they, well, the way they interpreted the data, you could be right, but the way they saw it was like, gamers are taught that everyone can be your friend eventually. Yeah, yeah. So the racist is the person who hates me, a black man, so he can have a biscuit. Does he, oh, he still hates me. I, think I, I mean, I think that shows that a lot of white gamers think that black guys just need to be nicer to white racists. <laughs> there is also this, this is a thing. Oh, I, th- no. I think I just did it as damage limitation because I kind of thought he's going to be trouble and it's the fact that he had his, his daughters as well and thought, <laughs> trying, it was more that his daughters had basically pleaded with me to try and be nice to him yeah. I thought alright I'll make an effort well that's the thing I did not trust the game enough I thought that I, I so, the system for that game was so transparent that I'm like whichever I choose it's going to judge me on my decision I don't believe that I'm going to be able to impact these people I think the game is just judging me for what I do and will give me an, a result accordingly and yeah right which on. is what we don't have with Until Dawn I don't feel like I'm being judged for the choices I make about the characters I feel like I'm directing a really fun movie by yeah. pushing people in what direction I want them to go yeah, yeah. that is uh, you know something interesting you said Matt is like yeah Sony aren't going to get their money back it's clearly an expensive game but you know what it was like one of the most trending games on YouTube recently. It is perfect for YouTube, and that's what it takes to make money. And to be fair, though, I think the reason that it's trending on YouTube is that most people really only want to play it once, but then they want to see all the endings this and everything. The problem. That can it's happen. kind of. Mm. I wish it was a bit less expensive because yeah. it's still that kind of like next gen full price thing. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, it's the sort of game I'd really recommend like trying to chip in with a couple of friends and just like. I would sit around it and like play it in a couple of evenings with some well, friends. No, you just yeah. pass it on someone. Washable, like, oh, we'll pass it on. Yeah, that's a good idea. After you finished it, you can play it in a couple of evenings, and then you can just lend it to a mate and let them play it. Imagine that. That's yeah, a good idea. Old school, but I mean, it's it's a bit too expensive to buy new if you're just going to play it once and then put it on the shelf. And it's only about seven hours long, I think. Yeah, which is, odd, yeah. Today's gamer demands value for his dollar. Except we don't. I love it. God, seven hours. <laughs> I know. I love it too. Finished. I thought it was perfect. It was just I. I don't have seventy hours anymore. No, no although no. we are finding. Oh, I love Metal Gear so much. <laughs> I was just going to say. Um, but let me tell you, though, I, I play for hours and hours, and then it's like, and you're 11% done. Mm, and I'm I like, know. Oh. Every time I play MGS at the moment, um, I'll, we'll come back to this a bit, every time I play it, I just go and do like tiny things, and yeah. then I get like a percent for like four hours of work. But I have a great time doing it. Yeah. Which mm. is Which I'm trying massive, to talk really. myself out of worrying about you know, like, I have to finish it. Everyone's going to, spo- it's going to be spoiled for me. Everyone's going to finish it before me. And I don't know if, like, I'm feeling some pressure because of my job and because yeah. of articles do about it. But it's really stressing me out that, like, I can't seem to make a dent in it. Yeah, no, so no, you, you are, though. Like, you know, it's... <sighs> I put in about 39 hours and I'm on 25%. I think I'm on 30%. This is meaningless. But I've no, spent I a like. lot of time just going around doing things that I wanted to do. Have you talked about the uh, the robot? Did you talk about the robots on last week's episode? No, we didn't. But I just want to say finally before, I just want to go back because yeah. I've realised now when you're unwell, you can't just come out and say things like, it's a different type of dick. Yeah. Uh, without, without clarifying. So just to, just to go back to that one. Uh, oh, wow. All the, okay, here we go. Dickhead, dickhead. No, but that's what I mean. Is I'm just, I'm, The thing I was trying to get across there is how impressed I was that 
It's not rare at all that I find myself playing video games and don't like the character. But what I found interesting about it is the fact that the reason I thought these characters were dicks was not because of the way they were created by the creators. Mm. Usually it's a it's a disdain to the people who make the game. Whereas in this, it's like they've just done a brilliant job of really accurately down to like tiny mannerisms um, showing you what assholes look like. And the person that you don't like might be someone else's favourite character. I mean, our, the characters that we like definitely changed a lot. I actually like one of the characters that everyone hates. Yeah. I think she's like one of the only... Oh, we talking about Emily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost like you're meant to hate Emily. They've fought, they're like, they're kind of twisting the knife. They're meant to hate Emily and you don't want to try but to But then my her. contrarianism kicks in and I desperately... She's the one I'm like, I she's an to. outspoken woman and no one understands her and of course they're going to call her annoying. The way I figured it though is she, she just kept saying, why is no one listening to me? Why doesn't people? Why don't people just do what I tell them to do and I kind of thought she's really arrogant and then like I kind of realised after a while it's like yeah but when left on her own like she just gets shit done she's <laughs> fine so maybe they should have been listening to her like she seems capable yeah, yeah. so yeah no but yeah MGS5 uh, the robot well uh, the walker the walker yes okay no I, that, that's the only thing if I'm if, if if I can bring one new thing to the to the MGS table to talk about. I want to like, talk about the walkers because the walkers are like sort of small miniature mechs you get in them. They're little robots. Wheelie fucks. Wheelie fucks. Loves so the here's the thing. I saw that and was like, it was it was the instance of me doubting Kojima even briefly because I looked at that and went, oh, it's a stealth game. Why do I want a robot? Why do I want a walker? And my god, the number of cute little touches in that robot that just make me fall for it. Like that just proved to me that Kojima is like. Well, not could you, but the well, whole team over there, whoever designed the, whoever came up with team. the thing. Of now, we should point out, actually, after last week, we talked a lot about how loads of people have just been spoiling tons of stuff about Metal Gear Solid in terms of all the fun little details at yeah. launch. This week, it's been a good three weeks now, so we're going to talk about some of the more minor things which can happen in the game. And uh, if you don't want to know, then just jump in. Yeah, this, no won't, this won't be a plot. Yeah. No, no, no. no. A plot. But at first, you see, I got really annoyed in the launch day because people had just caned it and then were just tweeting pictures of everything going, look at this, look at this, look at these things you can do. And it's like, discovery. It's like, I'm going to play it. Like, I've got it. I just have to How do these people... My, our job is video games. How do these people get ahead of us on this game so quickly? Well, it only takes like... A, Where, what is their life? What percentage of people need to get ahead to start tweeting this stuff guess, and to yeah. go around really virally? Like a tiny amount. Yeah. But yeah, just the fact that, oh, you've got a walkie robot. What should we do that's really fun? Well, we can make it go really wheelie and basically turn it into one of those versions of... You know when kids have those shoes that have wheels that pop out? Heelys. Heelys, right? And then as an adult, you're watching those kids and you're going, oh, I hate you because you're having fun and I am an adult and will die soon. (laughs) Like, the robot is that. It's like you can walk around and they say, oh, do you want to just press a button to turn it into an ice skating machine? I still don't understand why Heelys aren't being researched quite seriously by the world's top scientists right now. Like, why is it that we got idiots going around on on children's scooters? I hate those scooters. I know you understand this, Matt. I can despise them. This is going to be the death of me. Like, so I'm going to die from a child zooming into my kneecap. What on is those... the matter with both of you? It is a kid and being given And the parents just a... have no concern that the child is zooming around with no, barely any control over yeah, their own limbs. they go pretty fast and they're just yeah. mad. Have either of you ever been hit by a kid's no, but it's come... no, 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 no. Why don't we just stop there, Matt? You said no. And you know what? Why don't we have a prospect of innocent until proven guilty in this country? Because I have to dodge them. And you I'm know. very good at dodging. And the parents are just like on the phone. They don't care. These Child of an age where they can barely control their own limbs yet are given these high-speed metal death machines. They're going to hurt themselves. I'm writing a letter to the Daily Telegraph. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) My God. But there are adults on them as well, and I can't understand why we don't have... Oh, that is the worst. Why don't we have shoes with wheels in them? That's my question for you. Well, you could buy them. At least then, yeah, you, but if why you aren't they really good? Something, but but how do you know? You could, you could start this, be the change you want to see If they were really good, everyone would have them. Hmm... Anyway, so on the subject of hitting things and wheelie things... Maybe because of stairs. 
Alistair, that's a good point. Uh, so when you have this weedy robot, I had a wonderful moment in MGS. And for whatever reason, like for all the marvelous little touches in this game, this is the one story I feel like I want to share with people. There's a mission I'm doing. You have to infiltrate a, a facility. I'll keep it as generic as possible. No one can get upset by this story. And it's got a chain link fence around it. And I'm wheeling towards it. And I, it's a race against time to get there. And then I'm zooming towards it. And I see this big, like, double chain link fence, like a big gate. And I'm thinking, as I'm racing towards it, doing the calculations, this robot weighs like maybe a ton and a half. Oh, I'll just go straight through that gate. I'll just go straight through it. And because uh, I could get <laughs> off and just like pick the lock and stuff, but there's no time, Matt. There's no time. <laughs> so I go, you're going to pop the wheels, top speed, hit the gate, and the robot bounces cleanly off. And I'm like, damn, that was just, that was a moment of trust I gave these developers. And it's so unlike MGS to, and then as I'm thinking this, the gate just goes, and falls over and hits the ground and then the, yeah just go running into the base on the robot and it's I think I love that story because Metal Gear Solid is a game that you can just trust you can trust that simulation to do and it what always you has been that to. the yes, environment exactly. is constantly engaged in a wonderful conversation with you and more often than not experimentation is rewarded that is yeah. what's always been awesome about the game where if you're like okay I understand the rules of this ecosystem but what if I take what I know about these rules and experiment Usually there's an affordance for that, which yeah. is just, it's awesome. And there's so much as well. I mean, I pretty much said exactly the same thing last week, the fact that it feels like the series for years has been detailing this stuff to the point that it was just gimmicks. Yeah. And now they've got a sandbox. They're not gimmicks anymore. They're all just things. Yeah, it's I amazing. Somebody like on the other day that I was complaining, because there's uh, no spoilers, but there's one bit of the game which has fucked me off so royally that I just left the house. <laughs> that, I just that put the enough. controller down and left the house. And it was an escort mission. And it's just one of these weird Ooh. things of going, why, why do video games still do escort missions? And some guy on Twitter, just some rando egg, said, well, it does add variety, though, and there's not enough variety in the missions. And I'm like, well, if you don't think that... The thing is... I'm just oh, yeah, things, are you playing them each the same way over and over? That's what I mean. It's like, it's a sandbox game, and the missions are all very similar. Like, go here, do this, go here, take this person. But if you're getting bored of that, then you just need to be more imaginative. Because yeah. I love just being able to go... Well, this time I'm gonna just devising this mad plan. I like in my playing head. really purely on the straight missions. I, I will do them usually with with no lethal force if I can. Same. Um, but on the side offs, I'm like. <laughs> on the weekends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like, I, I, I hope it does. The side offs don't count because they're not counting no. how many people yeah. I kill. So it, it's kind of fun. That you, you know can... what? I pay for this stuff. Like it costs me money to deploy. Yeah. So I'm going to use those rockets. Yeah. <laughs> I paid like ten thousand. Wow, the sunk cost fallacy based on military hardware. That's so bleak. I know. I, I, I am in love with Peacock though. The helicopter you can call in. I just that, what a what a beautiful toy. Like. <laughs> oh yeah. I've, well, for it, me, it's uh, it's currently. I think it's love will tear us apart. Oh, that's. I'm good. Yeah, I just got. I'm that tired tape. of the pop on the helicopter. I use the MGS trailer music, so it swoops in. It sounds really dramatic and flies. Oh, that's quite cool. Um, mm. The but yeah, I love it. As um, it passes, I saw was it someone maybe Tim Rogers saying that um, the portal gun is a great test. And if you want to have something fun in your video game, then you think about something that you desperately want in real life, and your game's off to a good start. If the toy you give the player is something you want, and that's what Pequod is for me. It's like the idea that you know, you just like, want a helicopter to pick you up. I want a helicopter to pick me up. I want like you know, I'm walking down the street and a car drives past and splashes me, and I, I go, call in like, the fire support. Pequod, can you just come here? Yeah, I love that. Essentially, it's a button. It's like, are these guys pissing you off? Do you want a helicopter to come and kill them all? Wow, this, yeah. I'm learning yeah. a lot about your uh, inner world now, Quinn. Honestly, <laughs> mostly helicopters. Okay. Most, just, I'm yeah. just had a flashback to the most disappointing dream I ever had in my life when I had this long dream, and basically it culminated in it was a Metal Gear Solid dream. Mm. And when I woke up, I was incredibly sad because I didn't have a helicopter. <laughs> was dream. this recently? No, this was like about five years ago. So, 
Good old Matt Dreams. I I will admit that I went running on the South Bank lately, and I I have an 80s mix that I'm going running to now, because I'm going on long runs, and I need, like, tunes to keep me pumped. You're going for the extraction now. Yeah. Well, I added some of the songs. Um, What did I put? I put Maneater on. I put um, Kids in America on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I put Level Tears Apart on. I put them toward the end, like, when I need the burst of energy. And I'm doing this new route. I'm, like, I'm adding another mile. I'm bombing over the Millennium Bridge in the middle of the Thames, and there's actual helicopters around there because they're over the parliament building and Kids in America comes on which is my helicopter theme and there's an actual helicopter and I'm so embarrassed at the adrenaline rush I got and how much I was laughing (laughs) to myself I was like yes I'm going to pretend that I'm running to the helicopter well I mean I didn't actually pretend but (laughs) no you did kind of I did kind of pretend it's fine fine. (laughs) Matt and I have been on this very podcast talking about zombies run and I've certainly imagined pretending that that you were being chased by zombies well actually when I was at college I uh, when Metal Gear Solid 2 first came out um it was the same time where mobile phones had just got to the point where you could play MP3s on them wow. instead of like the polyphonic ringtones, oh, which wow. up to that point were thought to be the, the height of human technology. Um, I can make my own. I made my own polyphonic chocobo ringtone yeah. when I had a Nokia flip phone. You actually went. You, you had looked like up a, the I, sheet music online. And oh, I just no. I listened to the beeps until I had made it. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. I did something similar. Yeah, but with this, it meant I put the. Mean? Multi-sound. Multi yeah. Sound, yeah. You can have multiple sounds on this phone. <laughs> I think it meant it could play two notes at once. Oh. I think that's what it meant. Or more than one note at once. And before that, it was like... Oh, of course, yeah. That, of course, was me doing Lom Lom Ranch music, I believe. Um, yeah. She's good. She knows all the tunes. What is this? Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horse, I think. Yeah, it was, <laughs> how it was supposed to be a horse. Ocar- you didn't play Ocarina of Time? Uh, actually, didn't. No, I didn't have an N64. Oh. I was a PlayStation child. Well, I didn't have one either, and I still knew that. Playing Parappa the Rapper Pro. Mm. I would have a Parappa the Rapper polyphonic ringtone and yeah. rap along to it. Anyway, I put the theme tune, the theme music um, for uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, on my phone as my ringtone. Oh, that's a good oh, theme tune. And every time it played, I just started like, running around. Having a great time. I didn't answer my phone very often. <laughs> Worst when you're at E3, everyone has a Kodak ringtone. Like I, oh, I, I used to have a Kodak ringtone. I thought it was a real boss, right? And then I go to E3, and suddenly it's just everyone has it. You're in the press room, and every wow. every guy with a inf- giant inflatable Mario hat has a Kodak ringtone. I'm like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I think that's when I stopped having anything yeah. like video game related on ringtones, t-shirts, clothes, or anything like. Because you're just like, oh, I just feel like I'm a clone. It's yeah. weird. I mean, I do have one good story about this, and it's sort of a tit. Like, I was like 18 or 19 and uh, living in New York City, and like, I didn't have a lot of money, but I would often go to a video game store to look and see what was like in the sale bin. This was before I was working in this field or anything, and uh, you know, I one day I went in, and like, the guy in the store came up and tried to like mansplain some video games to me and suggest some RPGs to me. And, and just then my phone rang, someone was looking for me, and I had some like really intensely nerdy video game ringtone. <laughs> and I remember him looking at me. Oh, it was just like the Invincibility Star theme or something. I don't remember. And, uh, it was something. And he just looked at me like in shock, like, oh, she has a gaming ringtone. Like, so yeah, I mean, now, of course, I, I would try as hard as I can to avoid any symbols <laughs> that would that. bestow <laughs> gamer credibility upon me. How sad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but I remember I, I remember at the time feeling very cool because I would be aware when I entered the video game stores that no one actually, people thought I was buying them for my boyfriend and things like this. Oh, God. Yeah. I definitely remember going into, like, bless it, WH Smith's when I was, like, 
probably 17, 18 and have my first like published articles in magazines. Oh my God. And I, I would be that. like looking at, you know, like, you know, PC Gamer and stuff and people would come up and look at PC Gamer. And you'd be and, standing there and waiting. He, he wouldn't know that I had an article in, in PC Gamer. I know. I was that guy. <laughs> my yeah. very first game article I think ever was in Paste Magazine when they had a print magazine. That is way cooler. Um, I was like, I don't know, it was like 2005 or something and I went to the bookstore to buy it and like I waited till it came out and I, I couldn't resist. I told the clerk, I was like, yeah, I got an article in there while she was ringing me. Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't resist. I was like, yeah. Oh. Well, I got it. And she was like, cool. Boop. <laughs> 3 or whatever. Uh, Jim Ross, you know, who founded Rock with a Shotgun, had a story that like he was in a shop and someone picked up PC Gamer when he was working on it and opened it up to Jim's EVE Online article. And Jim was like, wow. And then the guy stands there and he reads the first paragraph of the article and then the next paragraph. And he closes the magazine, puts it back and leaves the shop. Oh. And that's got to be... Heartbreaking. Not good enough. Well, Not good. good. Nice try, Jim. We don't need to hang around game shops lurking in the magazine section waving our ringtones around anymore, do we? No, times have changed. <laughs> times have changed. All I had with OXM was being quite pleased when I walked to supermarkets and seen that because they used to sell OXM in a cardboard sleeve so you Ooh. couldn't get into it before you bought it. Uh-huh. Um, but They're paying just, for your words before they read yeah, them. Yeah, but then it was nice because I just see that like some kid had obviously like, ripped, the, ripped them open so they could read them. And I like that because I was like, so I want to read the magazine. You wanted that bad. You want to read the magazine? Let them fucking read the magazine. That's yeah. good. That's I'm good. not a part of future publishing. I just do the words. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Metal Gear. Metal Gear. I feel like there was something I was going to say about it, and now it's just. I really think that the strength it's really of the game good. is. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much as far as my. It's head amazing reaches. how much bullshit it's getting me to enjoy. Just going around collecting men so that they have good stats. I know. I keep going back to my base and running past them all so they salute me, which is hilarious. Oh, that you know what I found? raises the staff morale. I know. The um, the the knock, the thing where Snake rattles his hand, Yeah, uh, that's extremely... And the sonar as well. That's really good for teaching your soldiers that you're around and then they'll salute you from behind walls and stuff. Wow. Yeah. If so they you don't hear, have to if they hear you, everybody. No, if they hear you, you salute. So you just run into the middle of a platform and then <gasps> shake your hand. Oh, that is so You disco. blow my mind. You just saved me hours. <laughs> Actually, I literally spend so long just climbing up ladders so someone <laughs> will salute me. I don't know what's wrong with I me. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't <laughs> have the, same. The, gi- the biggest range. The um, It's actually gotten to the point, I hate to say this now, ooh, I remember back when I was at 25%, but now I'm at 31%, I've started to get annoyed with the base development stuff. Yeah, um, well, no, it's, it's clearly like the resources you need just get a bit silly. Not that, it's the multiplayer that's built into it. And you hate when people... You hate when people come. No, it's not. Well, I, again, I don't want to spoil it, but obviously, as you will notice if you click through the 17 pages of... Menu that come when you start. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is a multiplayer element to do with your base and protecting your base and invading other people's bases. And it's one of the very few weird areas of slowdown the game gets. Like, you know when you design your emblem, the, em- the engine just explodes. Yeah. Um, for some reason. Yeah, it could do all this mad stuff, but, like, yeah, the graphics... The, whoa! The PS4 Loading a custom emblem. When you're, when you're designing your emblem, the PS4 starts making noises like a... Like like an octogenarian like having a heart attack um, but yeah similarly like the tutorials seem like incredibly badly coded and uh, I've really been wrestling with some of the online infiltration stuff which is a bit awkward and it's a shame because I know that MGS can do online stuff really interestingly um, no one talks about it but M- Metal Gear Online which came with MGS4 because people hmm. who like Metal Gear don't want to play with it well people. right uh, but believe it or not MGO has like um, loads of similarly excellent touches like my friend used to play it and was obsessed with uh, getting a rank which was like, oh, it's the name of some Japanese mythical sea creature. Like, you know, you can get, like, sheep or butterfly or octopus or Not whatever as your Tsuchinoko. rank. Oh, maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, so you could get that it's a, online. It's a snake. It's a little snake. Yeah, it's a sea snake, right? Yeah. Um, and you get that rank from playing MGO only if you are rarely seen 
but you kill people every time you show up. So you have to play only once a week, but when you go online, you dominate. In Metal Gear 3, the Tsuchinoko is a rare uh, food that you can find, I think, in only two or three places. Um, I think that gives you infinite stuff if you keep it in a cage. Hmm. If you finish the game with a Tsuchinoko... You God, can do this. Someone, someone's going to tweet and tell us what it is, but if, I think if you finish the game with a live Tsuchinoko in your cage, you can start again with infinite ammo? Oh, Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? I There's lots of weird something like, stuff that. like that. But the Tsuchinoko is a is a canonical mythical thing that's I think started in Snake Eater. The final thing I will say about MGO, um, which is a feature that should be everywhere, much like like say Gears of War's active reload system, it should be stolen by everything. Is um, before and after matches there was like a little theme song for MGO that played, like uh, kind of like <laughs> the national anthem plays at the beginning of like rugby matches and shit. Yeah. Um, so it's playing and all the soldiers, are, your, all your characters are jogging onto your positions. Someone figured out that if you hold down a shoulder button, your character will start singing along with the la 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 la. Here's the thing: depending on the size of the body of your avatar, you friend. sing to a different part of the song. <laughs> so you can all run on. If everyone holds L one, you all harmonize together and sing before or after. I think the match begins. That's a lot of fun. That should be in. That should be in Dota. Well, I'm kind of excited. I mean, <laughs> it should. I'm. It's already got to the point where you can tell. Uh, even with MGS five, there's going to be little details people are going to be discovering for a long time. There's still honestly MGS three is probably my favorite video game ever. I have a tattoo of MGS3 and I've played it a zillion times and every time I play it I find something else. Like mm. MGS3 is like exponentially more primitive than MGS5 yeah. and still you know what's, never stops surprising. What's me. fun as well about MGS is like similar similar to Dark Souls it's, Dark Souls to get through the difficulty players are meant to share what they know but with MGS just because of different play styles and different toys like I don't use the cardboard box my friend does and it's like yeah. hey, did you know you can sled in it it's like what you yeah. can sled down hills in the cardboard I've box. I've never been a cardboard boxer myself. No. Yeah. I make them all because I want to have them all. But uh, I, I just don't use like them. crawling very, very slowly. Yeah, is, that, is that your bit? Yeah, I think again, I'm, I'm. I got really into. I found it weird at first. Like Metal, Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid Three. I didn't like it at first at all. Oh, I love but when it. I got my head around it and the fact that it wasn't about like hiding around corners anymore, and it was all about hiding in plain sight, um, and just using. And I still play movement, that way. I got mm. really into it. And really into the feeling of being like, you know, like... Oh, do you, I bet you like it. hitting triangle and going really still yeah, and hearing Snake's heartbeat. Of course, it's really cool. That, that started in MGS4, you play dead, and they think you're dead in the water. Oh, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's... Oh, I see, okay, cool. But I also, Unless they're alerted, in which case they might kick you and notice you're alive. I had the best uh, active... You know the reflex mode when you get sighted? I had the best one I of them ever recently. Yeah, That's just an amazing system in general because it, it, it elongates the game's stealth. It's, it's fucking ace. Yeah, it means you don't and have you to And you still get punished for being seen. Yeah, of course, but yeah. you can keep it from going full crisis no it's, it's fantastic it's, it's like I was going to make a whole I still might make a cog watch video purely about uh, the reflex mode um, but uh, yeah I had the best one of those recently where a guy a guard turned around in the full riot gear where they're invulnerable to bullets unless you hit them in the jaw mm. and it wasn't going to happen um, but I had in my hand the inflatable snakes they're like the little decoys. discs the decoys you throw them on the ground and you press a button they inflate um, so you throw the disc like a frisbee at his feet, all in slow motion. It hits the ground and you inflate it, and it catapults him up in the air and knocks him out. Oh, wow. <laughs> My God. It's Yeah, I, I saw Andy Kelly tweeting, so I knew that worked. It was just like, oh, I can't shoot him. Have yeah, this. I like that, the, the element of the fact that it's, it is a get-out-of-jail-free card, that reflex thing. But you can pretty much only use what you've got in your hand now. <laughs> yeah. So fact, you have to be like, if you turn around, there's a guy who spotted you from like 100 metres away and you've got a shotgun. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything here. 
Yeah. The um, worst is when you panic and hit the wrong thing and do the shameful dive out of sight, and it's like heroism minus ten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I like the fact that you can the amount of heroism you lose for being spotted by guards yeah. can be replaced by you shooting two balloons. Right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm a hero again. Yeah. It's wonderfully silly, but no, I, I really like the fact that the engine is just such a solid piece of work. There was a point um, in one of the early missions where I just had this epiphany and just went, "This is incredible." When I was actually halfway through a mission. And I realised I was taking my time and it was in this canyon and I realised I'm like, the sun is getting to noon. Mm. Yeah. And I realised that the shadow was creeping across the map. I saw you tweet about this. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. Like I've got if I don't get across to quite a long way away within about three or four minutes, I'm gonna be in plain Visible. sight. Yeah. And that was so exciting. The lighting in general, yeah. The the joy I feel every time I in like in sunny Afghanistan, like noon sun, when you run out of a building and you just are blind. Yeah. For a That's the other thing. Yeah. But similarly, that's great because it teaches you why guards can't see you when you're in shadow. Like, it just subjects you to some quite quick, instantaneous... When you run into a dark yeah. building, it goes, can't see anything. Yeah. And, and you can assume that the, the light physics work the same way for the enemies that's as what they I'm do saying. for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so once you experience them yourself, it teaches you more about when they can and can't see you. Yeah, it's really strong. And I do like the way that... the I mean, it hasn't done it very often, but I do like the fact that the supernatural elements almost take a bit of a back seat, And it means that when they appear again, they surprise you. And there's been a couple of times where midway through a mission because it's you start to get into the mindset of a soldier or mindset of a stealth expert no there's still a giant floating flaming unicorn and <laughs> yeah but there's been a couple of times where I've been like halfway through a mission and everything's going to plan and, yeah. and I've got this down I've got a plan I know what I'm doing and then it's like boom it's, this has happened Guess and I just what? go because <laughs> I just don't have a plan for it because like, yeah. you know you can't have a plan for, for the supernatural yeah. for the supernatural no it's good I've definitely never felt more like uh Snake in any of his incarnations. Like, I've never felt more, I am a soldier. You've given me the time to learn CQC, to learn explosions. Like, I played MGS3 and with theoretically CQC in, Master. Well, and never no, had- I mean, actually, I think that's one of the interesting ways that the narrative supports the mechanics of MGS3 because you're a child and she's the master and you learn it as you play it. Oh, but I didn't because I was punished every time. Like I was oh, never no, like given... the first time I did it, I couldn't do CQC at all. That's what I'm saying. Well, like... but that's, that's enhanced my relationship with the game, that the way that you're supposed to do it is CQC. And if you get really good at CQC, you can play MGS3 using only your hands. I still have a problem with MGS5 thinking that I can clear an area using only my hands. You can't. That is, that is you a problem. You cannot. Um, but, you know... You become you become the big boss by playing MGS three over and over. Like I, I I like that I had to learn it slowly. I thought that was narratively consistent. And then by the time you get to the final fight, the best you, you don't have to use CQC to beat her, but you should. You know, and it looks better that way. And, it and definitely looks better. Cinema, huh? This cinematic, like, hand-to-hand thing. And, like, when you throw her down, all the flowers turning red. And, yeah, it's just... I can tell that you love MGS3 because of the amount of hand gestures <laughs> that the people at home cannot see. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... I'm, Gesticulation is off the charts. Gesticulating, yeah. Um, no, it's it's awesome, yeah. But, I could never get the... I was rubbish at it myself, so I just went around shooting people. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, now I, now I always feel like when I get spotted, I can just go and grab them. That's why I think that is hilarious. Grabbing someone out of reflex mode is funny. Yeah, just just sprint. It doesn't actually help because they'll yell. Uh, they that's more yelp maybe. Yeah, but if other people are close, it you'll still get alerted. Oh sure. I just I think what I loved about it is that the problem I always have with Metal Gear Solid games is because they are just scenario after scenario, which is just all like for real you're always tempted to just play it safe whereas having this space outside of the missions where it's not real where it's just yes. like holiday time side ops is holiday means time <laughs> you can take the time to get really good with like rocket launchers and grenade launchers and and CQC and whatever you want like you can practice mm-hmm. the skills and then go and try them whereas I always felt like 
whilst previous Metal Gear games have given you options, I always felt quite restricted because I because you don't want to mess knew. up. You know that you're saying something with every choice that you make and with every. Yeah, you are. You do feel that you're. That's a really great way to phrase it. Yeah, you're expressing yourself in Metal Gear. Exactly. I mean, that's why. I mean, I think that's why the rankings are awesome because it's like it's not just like how good are you at this game. It's like what kind of person are you? I'm an octopus always. Me too. <laughs> I just transcended from octopus to butterfly. What's a butterfly? I haven't looked it up. Should I look it up now? Um, I don't know if you can. I will. You yeah, guys, go for it. Go for it. Okay, here we go. Um, yeah, the only thing actually that has annoyed me about Metal Gear is the fact that I specifically didn't play Ground Zeroes after reading a bunch about the content of it and I was like I don't want to fucking play that game and then it basically it just has like flashbacks to that where it just shows you all the same It'll cutscenes again it in anyway yeah no, I'm just I... like you've done all this stuff with tapes like couldn't you just left it for tapes I don't want to watch this like... yeah Ground Zeroes I mean I think that this whole arc of the story in general has a fascination with physical mutilation that makes me uncomfortable but it was all concentrated very heavily in Ground Zeroes yeah yeah I, I didn't enjoy it that I much I was just a bit annoyed because I thought you know I haven't played that game specifically because I didn't want to see this stuff and yeah. now you shown it me yeah so, it's like well now thanks. you're mad because you're base and yeah yeah <laughs> anyway um enough mgs5 and actually i'm just gonna go back after we've well quinz is looking at what the butterfly can't is. find it it's fine i just so I, it'll be you. mystical apparently it might be something to do with quiet who knows probably yeah i think it probably is maybe a sniper rifle maybe using oh sniper i'm do- I, I carry i always carry a sniper rifle with me and never use it honestly i wish quiet would be quiet <laughs> <laughs> How's he gonna know where she is? No, because she just sings at you through the fucking radio. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. She's holding down the button, so you can't even talk back. Yeah, yeah. it's I just say like the feminist police are gonna come take my card away, but I really like her. I think she's pretty. <laughs> I mean, cool. I don't know the whole backstory. It could be ridiculous, and then I'm gonna be like, oh, screw this. But we'll, we'll all find out. Uh, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that she breathes through her skin, but I don't care. Like, I thought, yeah, it's stupid. When has a metal Metal Gear is not the place where you look for plausible, grounded representations of people. No, sure. I do wish because the thing is it's like I'm not bothered about that but I just wish that they would have put the options for clothes a bit earlier because yeah. you, you do have to go through a rainbow of different colours of tits yeah. before, <laughs> before, before you get clothes and it's like I like her character Yeah, I like having a sniper yeah I mean I like it she's really good looking and she doesn't talk to any dudes I can relate <laughs> <laughs> I keep using this one <laughs> but it's true it's good but the scene where you're introduced to her powers was just the weird creepiest I know, thing I know just being like look at her in a cage it's not a cutscene so you can go around and look at her and from spend any angle as much she time has, as you oh, yeah. while she has a shower and I was just like, guys, come on. This Have you is seen the thing weird. where someone has replaced? Uh, they've done a, they've done a mod. They basically modded it so that for all of her scenes, they've subbed in Ocelot, so that just Ocelot <laughs> showering. And, yeah. yeah, and uh, also they they put in Ocelot's body for D Dog. So yeah, that's, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I would have missed D Dog. Is it? Can you miss him? Oh, sounds like you've missed him. Sounds like you definitely missed him. He's like mission three. What? Yeah, yeah he's he's in the landing zone of the helicopter. He's just prancing around. <laughs> you're like at 27%. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah, oh, no. gotta get, Just look for what mission he's in and go I back I started thinking it. that because I was like, I've been avoiding spoilers, but I'm like, oh, I've played quite a lot of the game yeah, and I haven't got a dog. You should be able to get your dog. <laughs> Everyone's got a dog. Go get your dog. He's very helpful. I want to talk briefly, if, if if we're wrapping up the MGS chat, I do want to talk about something that uh, we've all been playing, which is Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because we did a we did a less basic, uh, little, little first half hour of the game. A little. Little, little half an hour. A little bit. If people haven't seen the Let's Play, my God, people should just look at our Let's Play, not for the for the full 30-minute experience, because Jesus, well, who has 30, 30 minutes? minutes Let's Play? Who wants to watch you guys play that for We're very minutes? funny, yeah. Alexander. Okay, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just watch it just to see what kind of game this is, because this is like a little 2D ship. 
Like you've got a two-dimensional spherical ship with all your little stations and you have to run. You know, it's quite actually, platform style. I watched a bit of it. It's actually quite fun to watch back because of the fact that it's the slowness of everything means that usually you have this thing of, you know, you have me and you back and forth going, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? But then it's actually, it's almost like you're watching people running a shop of being like, can you go and do this? And you go, yes, all right. And then you see the little man going down the ladders <laughs> yeah. and then stopping halfway and going, oh, fuck, now I've got to go over here instead. And <laughs> I know, I bet it's that. I was just giving you a No, I know, I know. It's very entertaining. But it is, it is, yeah, it's like a little sphere with different rooms and they all man different things. And it's a nightmare when someone like you, when someone like Quinn's is bloody driving it. Because, I was so bad at driving. Because it means I'm halfway to the like the vertical cannon, yeah. so I can shoot things at the top, and then he's like move the ship somewhere. So what you better do cannon. is you just make Quinns do everything. That's what I did. <laughs> Honestly, I was way better at working with Lee than I because you and me just kind of have the sort of control freaky. We just run and do whatever we believe needs to be done at that point, which often meant sometimes no one was on shields, no one was shooting, no one was on engines. Well, or when I was steering, it. I was trying to steer in, in in relation to which cannon you were currently using, so yeah. I could let you shoot the enemies. I can see just, why you would think that would be did, useful. Did you yeah. discuss? Did you guys discuss that plan or not really no see, see yeah Quinn's and I are actually normally very poor at cooperating we <laughs> are both really high energy control freak people like we went on a holiday recently with our friends and there was a two person bicycle in the garage and our friends were basically like you two cannot use it because yeah, <laughs> we knew no, we we'd end up hurting each other in different directions yeah we are so determined to do what we want to do the way that we want to do it that we fight a lot but I think when we played this game I'm like okay we're not going to do that we're going to have really good communication. And we just kind of like divvied up the jobs. I was like, I'll do the shield right now. And you do the this. And we did it. Yeah, it turns out, actually, so having someone on shields permanently. and just Yeah, I just really sat on the shields most of the time. Lee's and- plan was to, was to sit on the shields and then invent a really elaborate crap sci-fi backstory <laughs> for everything yeah. and then talk in character like kind of like Han Solo Princess Leia bickering. Well, that I mean we adorable. do this all the time space bickering you know when Quinn was playing Race the Sun I also for every life that he spent I had to make up a reason why he was racing the sun that's such <laughs> 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 that was that is Jeff I recommend people at home try that that's yeah. exhausting I mean I mean, there is something to be said for like I'm not a, I don't like I'm not a very high octane action game player I get intimidated no. when I think my reflexes are going to be relied upon even though I'm perfectly fine at video games it's the pressure of like being the girlfriend and doing a bad job like that's gotten to me my mm-hmm. whole life and um, I think that having different types of jobs for the player to to do yeah, yeah just have have her do the shields or you know let her make some make up a backstory there's a lot of ways <laughs> that you can get a friend to play a video game with you that are not necessarily yeah. participating in exactly the same fashion as you do somewhere <laughs> between like twitch reflexes and being tails yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you're blade but you're going to person who just dies and yeah. basically i just need you to kill bosses for me <laughs> yeah the uh i will say as well uh, we stopped just before getting the first unlock in um uh Love is in a dangerous space time. And it's even stronger than I thought it was because I was saying this to you before the podcast. But uh, it turns out you get unlocks which are... Uh, you can pick one of the terminals, so like guns or the super Yamato cannon, the shields, the engines, whatever. And then you pick that and it then gets two crystal slots and it becomes like Gunstar Heroes, whereby it's not just a case of, do you want a beam engine? Do you want a metal engine? You can now have a beam beam engine or a metal uh, crystal And each combination of two gems produces a different result. And every level you get a wrench, so you could like swap them out um, if you Mm -hmm. want to take one out. And so we we actually, so there's a, the first boss is this really awful bear. He's the worst bear. And the shields really factor because you have to repel his attacks um, and there's asteroids around you. It is really very quite a bear is essentially batting you around an asteroid field. 
So yeah. he can hit you, and then that's fine because you blocked his hit. But then you're going to slam into an asteroid that's behind you if you don't have someone on edge. And we were struggling ah. and struggling and struggling until we realized you could make a metal shield that moves yeah. slightly more slowly, but that is a better that acts as a paddle to bump away anything and never goes down the way the beam shield does. Well, we learned that in our in our video. So Quinn's obviously wasn't paying much attention. <gasps> to be honest, I was Quentin. just making funny jokes for the. Yeah, no, that's that is what we do sometimes. <laughs> not not now, not now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Just don't listen. The funny thing that we had we was... We were um, great at cooperating. The, and also, like Gunstar Heroes, where you go, what happens if you get fire lasers? That sounds good. Oh, it's, it's dog shit. And then you're yeah. stuck with it until you get the other power. Yeah. Similarly, like, uh, we had a... What happens if you put two green gems in? It's massively overpowered. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I don't want to use this. The uh, Yeah, you get, um, I think, putting metal, like, exclusively metal into um, turrets produces... Essentially, a flail, which sounds hilarious, wow. but it's just impossible to use. And then the thing of like having to get through a level, going, we need to repair this mess. How are we going to fix it? It's it's with yeah. a flail, with a pro hopefully. It's just it just continues to impress me. Like I I really want to play more of it. Yeah, it's a fun little thing, and yeah, I'd recommend just checking out our video because it is like very easily to get an idea of it. Basically, so if you want to watch that, you can see it on CoolGhosts.net. And uh, yeah, I think there's this probably from last week. So if you can't see it, there's a little thing we can see. See more, and I'll have a little a little selection of all the things. Such wonders. I think the thumbnail for it described it as uh, "lovers in a dangerous space." Tim, mm. <laughs> because uh, I thought that was funny. Sure. I was probably coming down with a cold at that point, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to very briefly before we go to a couple of questions uh, talk a bit about Destiny because it's been oh, a while yeah. since I've talked about Destiny. <laughs> Sorry, wake up, Lee. Wake oh, okay. up. Okay. So I saw it said Destiny. I just I couldn't stay awake. <laughs> See, the, yes, I know it's very boring, and boring people like it. I, so I mentioned before we went on the podcast that I wanted to ask you something about Destiny, Lee. The thing I'm fascinated by is because you don't play Destiny, do you? Mm -mm. Uh, I mean, I watch you play it. Actually, this is the thing. Believe it or not, I'm fascinated by watching. Well, you play this is it. it. I want to talk about because your ability to essentially play Destiny through osmosis and kind of like. <laughs> It, I, I, I'm so envious of it because my god what the hell does destiny look like if you don't know what's going on like just the words it uses I say the it's names a data guns, poem um, it, yeah somebody start I suggested that someone should start a destiny ebooks twitter feed and somebody did destiny underscore ebooks that just randomizes all the words like name some destiny words like on the moon there's some uh, on the moon there's the you know the temple of crota yeah crota um, there are uh, come on and your, your um, weapons are called like you know Haunted strawberry. <laughs> so that is the rest of Oryx. No, actually, there's yeah. something raspberry, isn't it? Raspberry, yeah. Yeah, Cirrus regime. I don't remember a lot of things, to be honest. The, the words That's kind the of thing. Like, I expect that I, I forget it, but you don't even remember what's going on in Destiny. Hawk Moon. <laughs> Hawk Moon. It's all about Hawk Moon. The Hawk Moon's are Hawk good. Moon. That's my review of Destiny. <laughs> okay. You can buy a Galahorn from Zer. Yeah, the thing is, I probably could do words usually. My brain's just. I'm just. <laughs> Destiny is like a. Video game that was made up for a movie. Yeah. Like in like yeah. someone made it up to look like what and people do in a movie. And it is kind of beautiful in this respect. So Matt, it's I, absolutely exquisite. I know it you makes want, no sense. I know you want to talk about the Taken King, the uh -huh. new uh, DLC that's just come out. But in order to be allowed to do that, you have to answer my question, which is, what is the plot of the Taken King? Oh right, the plot of Taken King is really easy. It's uh, Oryx's Oryx, who is the, yeah. the mm -hmm. father of Crota, mm -hmm. who you here we killed. go. Yeah. Uh, he's come back because he killed his he killed his son. Okay, where was he? Uh, what the dad? Or yeah, the where son? was Oryx? Somewhere else. We don't know. Miles away. <laughs> really the far. The thing is, right? He's How is Oryx related to the Traveler? Uh, I don't know, but basically, <laughs> Oryx is really old. So basically, Oryx is painted as being like this character who's been alive for longer than the entire of the Earth. 
Really? Yeah, like really. So is he older old. than his dad? No, that's Oryx is the dad. Crota oh, was, was the, the son. son. Mm. Wow. The sons of Oryx, basically, were like loads of them. Or uh-huh. like not that many, but some. So there's still some sons well going around. You're going to have to well, fight them in order. I know all the law. <laughs> Matt is immune to me taking the piss out of no, 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 this. No, no, no. This is why, right? It's because what they've done... The original Destiny was an absolute joke in terms of the story. It had lots of stupid words, and it had this sort of chain of events which was impossible to follow, which was just and constantly ghost doesn't. saying, oh, this is amazing. You've got to look at this thing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I made a joke video about it that yeah. did well just because it was bang on. Like, everyone resonated with the fact that the story was nonsense, delivered as if it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it wasn't. Mostly through voice actors telling you what was happening yeah. it was amazing. Oh, you've got to see this, Guardian. Look Guardian, at this data. You're going to want to see this. No, I'm not. I want to go back to space <laughs> so I can see what boots I just got. Because they might be better than and the boots I've got. that's the strangest thing about Destiny. It's supposedly this, you know... Hypermasculine testosterone. I don't think it is. No, it's just a bunch of people trying to get really cool clothes. And I think people yeah. who play that know it, and I don't think it is. I think actually Destiny community is really quite cool. Yeah, and quite they nice. Seem like that. In the fact that cool. if you are really testosterone and really yeah, like, yeah. you don't like it because you know what? It doesn't run at 60 frames a second. It's very pretty. It's thought of as being quite easy. But that's because it's a weird game and the fact that it's slower. It's not this sort of twitchy thing. It's quite methodical. You can go, there are six people shooting at me. And you can stand in open ground, not being behind cover, and just go, I'm going to shoot them all in the head. And then go, boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom, and still be alive. And to a lot of gamers, that's just not appealing. They go, well, it's too easy. Whereas I love the way that you get the sense of you're a cross between a tank and a ballerina, just sort of yeah. There's a lot of nice gracefully, the, uh... yeah, just taking things out in a in a way that feels and looks amazing. And suddenly, the it is amazing. It fucking is amazing. The, but uh, not the, for the reasons it was trying to tell you originally. Yeah, the PVE definitely. Like, yeah, I would be a lot more interested in Destiny's script if it was a lot more like focus on the fact that you're like balletically gliding over 18 enemies and dropping them. Well, it kind of does. And this is what's wonderful is the fact that what they did with the last sort of mini expansion, House of Wolves, which Mm. a lot of people probably wouldn't have played because no one really cared at that point, and that's fair enough, is they realised the benefits of one simple thing, having a simple story. Having a story in which you know what's going on. You're going to go and kill this person because of this. And just keeping it quite simple and quite clear. But what they've done with, uh, with this, with the big expansion, is the fact they've made it so that the story is clear but it also has character it's like all of the characters really that's a bold move for- yeah and they haven't put new characters into it they've just taken the existing characters the people in the tower who like stand around that table and sell yeah, the boots yeah. and they've just got them in cutscenes being like people and talking to each other and it's really good it's kind of there quite- was a sense of humour creeping in in House of Wolves yeah. there were some good jokes but they've actually got a sense of humour now and it's mainly just Nathan Fillion being Nathan Fillion in this but it works because it's got the you know the whole like Eris Morn who's like the kind of like oh yeah Eris oh, Morn is another pseudo Irish kind of she's like the oh Crota's coming back I have no eyes yeah that's the one she continues to do that shtick but then you've got that bounced off with Nathan Fillion just being like okay <laughs> I, like, I like that little postman guy who's the one that looks oh like um the postman. the postman he's I think he might have postman in his name the robot the, yeah the postman robot yeah. He's, yeah, he's cute. good. He's and, good. and the janitorial robot. Oh, the janitorial robot is uh, is Lee's favourite character. Very cute. They Very are they cute. are cool. But in yeah. this, it basically means the story in this expansion, and I've pretty much just wrapped up the most of the storyline stuff. I think um, 
is that, yeah, this guy's come back. He's really old. He's obscenely powerful. He's got a gigantic, creepy spaceship in space, which is incredible. That spaceship has blown my mind. Oh, really? It's so The trailer good. really didn't excite me at all. No, but the thing is, this spaceship, when you walk onto it for the first time, it's like the Vault of Glass. And what I love about that is that they've actually made it so that the campaign missions you play through, which, again, only take about two or three hours and you're done, the campaign missions and this new area both evoke that same sense of, like, awe? epicness and awe that the Vault of Glass did, but obviously now you don't need to have five friends to do it. You can just play it and you'll be like, fuck, this is amazing. And I, I, I was really taken aback when I first went to the Dreadnought, which is his ship. I just stood there and just looked around and was like, oh my God. They do do environment design really well. It's so I remember good. the first time I went to Mars and just be like, wow, Mars. But it's it's really, the Dreadnought is really something. In the same way that on the, it's amazing. the Crota stuff, right? When you did all of the... The Crota raid last time. Yeah, it just felt like hodgepodge '80s metal art bullshit of being like big spiky rocks, mm. big spiky armor. Whereas this, it has that kind of incredible scope and scariness and chilling environment of like Alien. You know, you know the original Alien where yeah, they find course. the ship full of the eggs. Yeah, it's like that. Really? It's like they actually managed to capture this sense of being like, what the fuck is this place? But it also feels like it's kind of alive. It feels like it's got. An environment, and they've actually—I haven't even seen this yet. I've played it for about four hours, but they've filled it full of puzzles and things. So you have like weird chests that won't open without certain keys, or weird little holes in the walls that you jump through, and there's a secret there. So mm. what they've done is they've taken that element of mystery that they had in the Vault of Glass and just made it an a level, a level, an open environment that you can go on patrol with your friends and try and solve these mysteries. And it's really, really, really good. I wasn't expecting that. Maybe I'll fire up. Excellent. I mean, the only problem, yeah, the only problem is that it is like really expensive. It's like because of bullshit. Um, oh yeah, it's like thirty quid, isn't it? Like for thirty, forty quid, even if you own all the other expansions, it's actually cheaper, pretty much, to go online and find a cheap deal on the ultimate version of Destiny with all of the DLC than it is as somebody who owns the whole thing to uh, to just buy the expansion, which is like unbelievable bullshit. <laughs> um, but what are you going to do? I mean, I'm trying to ignore that because it's such bullshit, but what, you, what can you do? You if know? you love Destiny, I guess. And it is, yeah, I mean, it's just nice that it's actually not taking itself seriously. It's being fun. They've revamped a lot of the way the leveling works and made it, they've kind of scrapped a lot of stuff starting from scratch. I'm not going to talk about that stuff at all because I will go into detail on that for people who care. Um, but I just think it's a real shame to me now that what this is like, this little mini campaign that adds on, I just think, oh man, if the original game had been like this, it would have been amazing. Well, you know, Destiny 2. I know, but even like, there's a simple thing they've added which just makes such a big difference, is you can do this thing with Ghost where like, you know how you used to just go up and stand in front of doors and hold down square or whatever and, to he, summon him, and yeah. he would scan something. Now they've made it so you press like the kind of, the pad button to bring up Ghost into your hand, like the menu... And then it does this sort of ebbing kind of scan effect on the environment. And when it picks up things which you can scan, it outlines them with a grid. And it feels like Metroid Prime because it means when you're looking for something, you go boom and you bring it up and you look around the room and you go, oh, I'm going to go and scan that. And it's just such a simple thing. But it, it means especially when you're going around these amazing alien structures and stuff, you do really feel a lot more like... It's like that thing in Prometheus, you know, when they kind of have those little robots that zoom around and scan the environment. But getting to do that... It's just, I don't know. Well, like, I guess this is exactly what we saw with World of Warcraft, right? Designers, like, very gradually sort of, like, whittling away at their, you know, user experience until it's terrifyingly, like, sharp. I think it will feel uh, like a game eventually. It kind of... It, I think it does now, but I'm just intrigued because <laughs> what they've done here is before, it was like you just rushed rush through it and then you got to the end and thought, is that it? Whereas now they've made it so the end just seems really unclear. I don't know how much more there is to do. 
And it seems like they've built more of an infrastructure to allow the game to keep feeding you things, but it's difficult to work out what's going on. But it's nice to be faced with mystery again. And the guns are lovely. And bang, 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 etc., etc. Still got good bangs. And I don't miss the old ghost, I've got to say. Like, now that they've got um, <laughs> all the voice acting has been redone, it's just been like, it's just good now. It was really bad before. <laughs> we can admit that now as much as yeah. we just didn't notice. As much as we love the Dinklebot. As much as I love the Dinklebot at the time to... It's, yeah, it's not, it's it's, voice acting for video games is a different skill than regular acting. I think a lot of people say, oh, he doesn't care or he was disinvested. But I think it's just, a, you know, not everybody has the ability to do voice acting for yeah, this we had a, a Yeah, a voice actor friend of uh, mine and Lee's had a really interesting point, which is, you know, there is a super simple test you can do. Pick, find an actor you like, then close your eyes and listen to them and find out if they lose a lot of their charisma or not, which in Peter Dinklage's case, his case was true. Yeah. Whereas some people just have really great voices. Yeah, it's, it's an entirely different skill set, and just because someone is a popular and engaging actor on screen doesn't mean they're going to have the ability to do, like, guide voice narration for Destiny. It's just it's different ability. Mm. Um, but, I mean, they got their name recognition, and they got their, you know, attention controversy for it. So I don't think, I think it was entirely a bad idea. Yeah, no, maybe it worked out well fine for him. Yeah. Questions. Here we go. Questions. Good question from uh, Ross Meredith here. Basically looking at the way, he said he was watching uh, Tom Cruise and up Oblivion and he'd forgotten to turn off the colour tinting tool that he uses on his monitor to make it kind of more orange <laughs> at night. I use something similar sometimes. Um, so it meant instead of this starkly beautiful but weird blue scenes, it kind of, everything looked really rich and red and like gave, gave the film this kind of sunset view. And he was sort of thinking about the fact that, like, you know, with, with film, we have this tendency of director's cuts and this, this tendency to go, well, this is the finished film. This is how the director wants you to see it. He was wondering how we think that applies to games, because it's quite interesting, because games are different in the fact that, obviously, with some games, you sort of think, well, yeah, it's, it's to be played as, as the, they intended. But other games, modding is such a thing. They kind of think, how much does directorial intent matter in games, if at all? Hmm. Versus, like, how you choose to read it as the player. I think this is a false dichotomy, actually, because I think really good pe- re- people with really good game visions create communicative spaces. I think it's co- it's always going to be an act of communication between a creative force and a player. Mm. Um, but do they make interesting spaces for the player to have that conversation in? Like, some, it's like, how much is the player and how much is the developer? Well, it's both, like, you know, or well, it's <laughs> neither. You know, I think... I think that really good games that you would say, oh, it's emergent and I'm making up all the fun myself. You know, no, there was a there was an, a space architect for you to do that. that. Yeah. It was, it's always by design. I suppose actually thinking about it, Bungie's stuff has always been a good example of this and the fact that they spend millions. Some, I remember there's an anecdote they spent so much money making this amazing crashing spaceship in the distance on one of the Halo levels and realised that like no one, most people just didn't look at it. Mm. Like it was yeah. to the side and people just didn't look. So it's that thing of being like, I guess it was good that they left it, whereas it would be, if, if the game went, look at this, <laughs> we've made this, it's just not good design. So I yeah. think leaving I mean, players to have their control I was an important part of it. I was put in mind of, um, I did a video on Life is Strange uh, a while back, and I was reminded of it because I was talking about Until Dawn recently, and um, that game has a system of rewinding time. Yeah. And uh, it's a system that I chose not to use because I thought the game was more interesting in the, you know that way. But that is still a communication between myself and the developer. That's... Even if they put in a system expecting me to use it and I don't use it, that's still a conversation that we are having. It's there not are things in Metal Gear that none of us will ever see, we just said. So I think it's not about, like, you know, 
do you force the player to do things or not? It's, you know, how how directed is your architecture? You know, some buildings are designed specifically so that you follow a certain route. Like one of the things I really like about the London Underground versus um, Subway in New York is that they only ever give you enough information to know where you're going next. Otherwise, they'd have people wandering around. You know, let's say when you get off the tube, it's like you need to make a you need to make a change, and it's like well the line is that way and the other line is that way, so yeah, you know you go yeah. right. And they it, don't let you have the map until you're down on the platform. Exactly, yeah. so that it yeah. stops people milling around and going the wrong way. Well, it doesn't, the fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but it well, yeah. should do. Yeah, there is a there's a crowd behavior problem yeah. here that we don't we don't have at home. But you know, by parceling out the information to you carefully, you design a better experience for yourself theoretically, um, and that was a choice they made in terms of how to inform you when, but. That doesn't change the structure of the station. It just changes how they inform you about how to use the station. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, two developers could make the exact same play space, and the way that they communicate with you controls your influences your behavior, um, and not the space itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think so. I'd actually kind of like to see more editorial angles, even though it is, as you say, I think it really is. I mean, even the guy who asked this question was kind of like, except the answer is probably maybe. It depends. <laughs> the, so, the common example is, let's say you're playing a video game and you have to find clues uh, you know, to where to go next or unlock different materials or whatever, and you're supposed to explore, but you're also... Su- there is a place that the developer wants you to go and there's a conclusion that the developer wants you to come to. And this is actually, it's a tough balancing act. So you as the player, you come into a dark room and you hear a noise from over to your right. But at the other side of the room is a table with a single beam of light shining on it. Mm. And so, yes, you can go around and listen and follow the source of the water, but it's sort of clear that at some point, the place where your eye is drawn first is where you are intended to end up. Yeah. Um, so it's just subtle things like that. So you still feel really clever getting to explore and discover and approach that table on your own terms. But the developer has signaled to you that that is where the clue is going to be or there will be a, a letter in that pool of light or something sure. that you're supposed to pick up. So in that way, you're being directed and uh, but not forced. Yeah. You know, there is there is an intended destination for you, but you can arrive at it on your own terms. I found that actually really started to annoy me uh, with Until Dawn. <laughs> and the fact that it, it does this, and that's one of the few things about it that I thought design-wise, I thought, oh, I really don't like this, is the fact because it has that really dated collectible thing. Oh, yeah. It, it, it meant, like, you clearly think, all right, well, I'm supposed to go there, but I'm going to look around first yeah. because there's probably something oh, to find. Dude, the, the arcane, the sort of witchcraft that I was trying to perform of like every fork in the road, I wanted to choose the one that wasn't leading to the next cutscene. And yeah. it's, there's no read on that at all. No. Like, yeah. You can go left towards the upstairs or down to the basement. And you miss rooms. And, like, and, you miss oh, rooms and then you go upstairs and, you and then you, your character runs out of the house. You're like, no. And the game indeed has penalties for missing objects. Yeah, so you're, like, like, you're playing the game going, which of these parts looks less interesting? Yeah. And studying the finest details. That that was frustrating I think it only started to really get bad toward the end of the game yeah. like it, I didn't feel that way I just found even but... the early stages I was just walking around this house like walking into coffee tables and thinking where the fuck are they fucking put the lights on <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah just uh, this, this amazing thing it looks just like a film except in, in films people don't get stuck behind coffee tables for about 30 <laughs> seconds you yeah. just didn't play enough PS2 games <laughs> no I, I did I did but it just it seems even more incongruous now they look so good yeah, yeah. like yeah. Oh, this what it, um, this is a tough question Lero says um, a question related to pop music and games what, would, have they got any song that you'd like to be made into a game and what would a that song game be made about? into a game he says you'd like to see uh, Space Oddity by David Bowie hmm. made into a game I mean, that's surely there are enough games or about oddities probably. in space there's a lot I mean I think there are a few there are a lot of uh no, but that would just David be David Bowie references including that in this arc of the Metal Gear Solid series like in 3 and in, and in 5 um, let me think pop songs specifically as well well, he said Johnny Cash, 25 Minutes, Bob Dylan, Lily, Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. 
So I don't actually know a lot of those songs. I've got to be honest, none of the artists, but I don't know them specifically. I mean, you know, like. I mean, we, we, we first have to establish the terms. What about a song makes you want to have a game of it? An interesting concept? A good lyrical structure that you want to go inside? Like, I. I'm it's sort of like being like, be, what's a painting of your favorite TV show? I'm <laughs> assuming it would be like narrative because they appear to have a good narrative. But yeah. then the thing is, like, I can't remember what it was. I, th- I had a, a songwriter recently talk about how, like, a really, a really good song, he thought, um, was kind of the right blend of having enough stuff that's there that feels concrete, that feels like that's. A, this is a song about a real thing, but then enough vagueness so that people can make it their own. Yeah, a friend of mine was just saying yesterday that they, as an adult, need to feel that any emotion they come to from music needs to be something that they decided on as opposed yeah. to something that you are forcibly being made yeah. to Oh, feel. I feel that way too, and you're, you're often giving me a hard time about it because I say, I, you know, I don't want to feel this way about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to feel sad now. <laughs> I, no, no, like when you say, like, why don't you like this? I don't want to like it. I don't want. I don't want to be made to feel this way. I don't want to participate. Like in music it. is too obvious. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I have a pop song that I'd want made into a game, but I definitely bulletproof by Larue, because then you'll be bulletproof, and then you can kill everybody. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> Cheat mode. Cheat yeah, mode. exactly, Easy. exactly. Uh, you just think of like what song would bestow you like powerful stats. I definitely prefer the idea of developers listening to a song and then glomming a feeling or an emotion from it and then aping that in a game. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you know, we've seen again some vestigial fruits of that with game developers who, I mean, I think when outside culture manages to make itself into commercial games like the references are pretty much like stuff that you would have read in when you were 17 and had a trench coat but like you know what yeah. i mean like you know it's what? never yeah. anything that i'm really like wow that's deep i do have um, an answer actually you know what i'd make developers make a game inspired by the tetris theme that wasn't tetris so just the dun 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 that's metal gear solid three is it? It's about the Cold War. Yeah, Tetris, Tetris about song the isn't War. about the Cold War. Tetris is about I just, the Cold No, I mean, the mu- how does <laughs> the, the music make you feel? Like, I want to play a game about the Cold War. Christ. Makes me feel like dancing. Yeah, dancing. Or, like, really hectic work at, like, a bar or something. Yeah, quite like a co- see, yeah. Like, one of those, like, you know... Cossacks. You're being too literal! <laughs> Sorry. I'd quite like to see uh, a game made about uh, the works of, uh, especially the older stuff of Bell and Sebastian. So just a game where you just sadly work where in like, sit marks there and, and cry. Spences yeah, and, and get upset. I do, I've like lo- lo- Leah's often having to hear me say that my dream game is definitely like something like Cart Life, but with a but that is as uplifting as well as downbeat. Yeah, he wants to make like an Arby's simulator about the love, joy, relationships, and small victories people have in a small town working at their Arby's. Yeah, imagine like Mother Base. But instead uh, of it but being it's Arby's. a mercenary haven, it's an Arby's. <laughs> Arby's. And everyone's like, boss, yeah, and the, saluting the fries me. are really hot today. Arby's is just like a kind of average grill, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, you don't have it here. It's no, like a kind of grill no, restaurant. I, one of the reasons I like Arby's simulators is because it has a touch of the, the unknown and the mystic, because we don't have Arby's <laughs> oh, here. Well, yeah, and Arby's... Oh, the mystique of American food. <laughs> well, Arby's also is not a particularly popular chain. It's, no. not, it's not very urban. Yeah, that's urban. why it's necessary. Like, it's where you're, if you're doing a road trip across the country, you'll encounter Arby's, which is probably where you encountered Arby's mm-hmm, on your mm-hmm. American road trip. Um, their their thing is their roast beef. They're famed for their roast beef. Famous, yeah. Fam- I've heard. I mean, it's a fast food roast beef is is a is a low place to start from. Matt's posing like he's got a good question. Got a for question? Us. Well, actually, it's a, you replied to this question, Quinn, saying, "Oh, that's a great question." Oh, I already regret said what this question is because I've been thinking about it all week, and it's it's a complicated one. In spite of Konami's recent behaviour, in terms of basically there've been lots of accusations. Of it's not recent. They've only recently things. been caught. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Basically, they behaved very badly for a very long time. And actually, 
they've been behaving very badly in terms of uh, the kind of sorry my and honestly it's the, fir- it's the first time that people care it used to be that stories of how bad it was in game development were just par for the course that's and true nobody there was no alternative if you don't like it go do something else you're doing your dream I think job. it's compounded you know? by the fact that the working culture in video games is very bad but also the working culture in Japan is very bad uh-huh. so I think you put them together and oh boy you're gonna have a bad time yeah but it's the first time that a story like this has a chance that consumers really care before it was I felt it was only game developers who were interested in the stories of how poor the working conditions yeah, and were I think, for I think game that's developers. partially like the time that it arrived at but also because they make Metal Gear like yeah. I feel like if they weren't developers that people cared about then I think it was more because people felt like Kojima had been wronged by the company yeah. and they'd more just care about Kojima which is sad because it's like I'm sure Kojima's going to be fine guys well and not also, to spoil my Metal, my Metal Gear 5 critique but it is kind of about a guy who becomes stateless and makes his own thing because yeah. he's been effed over by his leadership so many times <laughs> yeah. like I mean I think that all Metal Gear games have been about Konami, and if you just start to pull on that thread a little bit and look at, you know, the role of the worker, the role of the leader, the betrayals, the, you know, the every People Metal Gear is about, about tension, about technology, about, you know, figures you look at, about values, mm. uh, and often they are about global working partnerships, they're about the East and the West, uh, they're about, you know, the rise of different ways of making war, which I think always has paralleled the rise of the Western shooter over yeah. the Eastern market, so I mean... I know, definitely, we'll find somewhere to link your MGS5 critique when it goes up, on, I, I haven't, haven't done it yet, but uh, I'm still working on it, but... Uh, yeah, I think that in now more than ever, the story of Konami as a place of employment is relevant because of Kojima's movements and because of what I think he's been trying to say through his games all along. Yeah, yeah. But it is it is interesting that it's like, yeah, suddenly everyone cares about this specifically. Yeah. When like, I've got a friend who's out in Japan, he was t- talking to me about like kind of the conditions of working in Japan generally. It sounded awful. He said there's a very traditional cultural thing of the fact that you don't leave. Yeah, you aren't, you're until, meant to have your job your whole life. Yeah, but you're also going to leave the office every day until your boss has left. Oy. And so the idea is, you know, leaving before your boss has left is very undone. But the problem is, because a lot of the bosses are like these 50-year-old Japanese men who've come from very traditional Japanese relationships, and this is changing now, Japan is changing, but traditional Japanese relationships, these weird loveless things <laughs> where, where they've been like married to someone from quite a young age and then it's been accepted that the man will go off and have relations with other women, younger women, um, and the, everyone accepts this, but then it means that it's this odd thing where, like, when then the men retire, what happens is they go home to these houses and their their wives have been running the homes and making them dinner for all these years. But they go, well, you can't stay here like because yeah. they've got used to their life. <laughs> yeah. And they don't really have a good relationship. So they're just like, well, you can't... You don't know what you're going to do. Stay you at can... work and go drink until everyone's ready to go drinking. So, yeah, they just don't retire. They just work until they're old. And, and then, then everyone don't... has a boss that's been there longer than them. Yeah, they don't so if you're all waiting for the boss to go home, everyone's going to be there forever. Yeah. So basically you have these <laughs> bosses the who don't want to go home. Yeah. And don't want to retire and just stay in the office <laughs> because they hate their lives. But you have oh, to stay geez. in the office until there you go. So it's this weird, like, um, culture shift. And I find it fascinating because at the moment, like so much of like the bullshit in video games gets excused by people going, "Oh, it's just Japanese culture. You don't understand." It's like, yeah, if you actually talk to people who live out in Japan, Japanese culture has got so many massive problems that are being resolved. But like, it's not something to like old school Japanese culture is not something to aspire to because it's really grim. What we're seeing happening in Konami is sort of just a Japanese version of the collapsing we're seeing around traditional corporate cor- companies in, yeah. in America. We ha- our equivalent is the horror stories that have come out of EA for years, and now where's EA making its money from? Like, yeah. you know, what do you think has to be going Simpsons on there right now? Out, yeah, yeah, Simpsons tapped out. Everybody I know. Um, well, uh, let's. Uh, I don't know anyone. Nobody talks to me. Um, but... <laughs> All traditional video game companies are currently these t- sinking Titanic's 
they're plagued by miserable working conditions. Yeah. And I think that the story of Konami gets out and that it's this bad is just... A, I, I'm like, wow, is this the end of the AAA software market? Honestly, like, how, how, how are they going to keep making games? It was really sad, especially when they were like, oh, yeah, we, we didn't go on holiday because we missed our holiday to get the PC version of the game running well. And it means I feel bad playing it because I'm like, yeah, it's this is so good. <laughs> and I know that the reason it's so good is because these people didn't have a holiday. So why don't you uh, get it's the fucking a- pyramids, man. The actual question of this poor gentleman. The question Sorry. is, and this is again... But- no, because it's just what you're describing now. Yeah, um, he says... Uh, basically, MGS5 has been a critical and consumer darling. So, what would it take for you to boycott a game? And have you ever done so? So, what the, the question is, and this is why I feel guilty because it's like I'm playing the fucking pyramids here, and this has been made off the back of people having a really bad time. But that's why it's amazing to a degree, which is horrible. I mean, would it wouldn't it even be a greater insult if they sacrificed their holiday and then you didn't play it, <laughs> and then the, you didn't buy it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, you know? obviously, there's like any number of like movies have had horror stories for years. You know how hard people like work to get movies. Movies that like even like the actors. I've ne- I've quite literally never seen a man look so tired as when I met um is it Chris Evans the guy who plays Captain America. I was on uh, maybe yeah. I was on set with uh, on on the Captain America set and he stepped out and I I've never met a movie star before and he stepped out and I swear to God I've never seen a man look so tired and so sad. Mm. Um and it's- well interns die in like I mean there was a thing with like their intern on the r- railroad like not long ago because they. It wasn't even an intern, actually. It was somebody who was, like, employed as part of the movie staff, and they just they wanted to go ahead with the shooting, and so they just hadn't told this person who was setting up a camera on the tracks that they hadn't got permission to shoot on the tracks and that there were trains still coming, and they got hit by a fucking train. Jesus. Like, basically, you know, directors and producers just treat their staff, because a lot of them are unpaid, a lot of them are just trying to get a job. So that's equally hellish. Um, and be- behind any big media creation, you have these hells. But as you say, I can't work out if it's, like, do you treat it as you giving money to support a regime that's bad or is it this thing of wouldn't it be painful if people broke themselves to make these things and then no one enjoyed them yeah it's a a difficult but maybe maybe our purchase is seen as ratification of their methods like you know you never know there's no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism that's that is pretty much true I mean I'd say actually there are a few companies that I've boycotted um, um, and I don't talk about but have they made games that you wanted to play anyway yeah no they have actually there have been uh, there have been some like uh, I don't now I won't like talk about uh, Stardock Games for example just because I think that their CEO is a really oh piece, yeah he's yeah, yeah he's yeah. a piece of shit and yeah. it, that's a very direct thing if there are games that they've behaved this way in public like yeah. Adrian Schmilars who made The Vanishing of Eastern yeah. Garter is a raging well. gamer gator and I think he just hates me so much because he's so desperate for like the, cr- the actual critics to take him seriously yeah it's, it's <laughs> never it's, gonna happen there's the thing is it's this thing where you realise if you are directly putting money into the pockets of people who are just actually then quite loudly like saying awful things and, and spreading hate around you sort of think no I'm not doing that it doesn't matter how good the game is whereas this is a weird one it's like people have had a, a bad time in the production of it but I don't it's like it is more of a capitalism thing if you are putting money into a bad system which is kind of what you're always doing with capitalism capitalism whereas with this if it's like a case of you're putting money into the pockets of people who are just bad people it's like nah I don't want to do that so that's that's kind of my and it's maybe that's a fucking twee thing to do of like just accepting that capitalism is bad, but then not getting funny about individuals. But well, we I have other. Know. We have you know when I am torn about avenues of protest, I'm like, well, what av- what other avenues are there? You know, if can we use our position as the press to talk about humane conditions for game developers and that this is important to us? Should we demand to know how workers are treated in the products that we cover? Can we at least make sure that consumers know? You know, we can do other things besides purchase or not purchase because yeah. of the work that we do. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. I mean, like the idea of uh, you know boycotting a product is almost certainly not the worst thing we could 
do to a product if we cared about something wrong with sure. them or the There are always more. Everyone's like, well, vote with your wallet. There's always better ways to vote. No, it's true. I mean, that's why I say for me, a boycott is different. It just means not covering stuff ever. I mean, I guess the only reason I would boycott a thing is if I'd like loathed the designer one of them so much that I knew I wouldn't be able to enjoy it, at which point the process becomes like the the actual product becomes pointless. Yeah, I take no pleasure in like slamming something just because I don't like who made it. Like, I think the worst insult that I can do as a critic is to just treat something as unimportant and not worth it. Yeah, that's pretty much the same. It's like, I'm not going to just bother it. It's like, it's not. There are other things to talk about made by people. There are so many other things to talk about. Yeah. So a boycott is not, no, I don't boycott, no. You know, I, what I want to talk about is the fact that Matt offered some... Was it Apple, Apple Crumble? Apple Crumble. I've got some Apple Crumble. You want to talk about some Apple Crumble? You want yeah. to seriously talk about it? Yeah. Can I have some? Yes, you can. Yes. Quentin, we're still recording. We are. It's fine, but I've made Apple Crumble, and that's a positive, warm note to end on. <laughs> Why not make Apple Crumble, guys? It's really good. Do not boycott it. It's is a it? lot easier than making Apple Pie. What would Matt yeah. have to do for me to boycott his Apple Crumble? Some really I really don't things. want to think about that actually. You don't want to think about that. Because <laughs> I have to say, like, I make it sound as if, like, oh, I boycott millions of things. I don't know. There's only actually a small handful of things that I just will not talk about because I don't like the people. But that's fine. <laughs> it's better than to just get angry about things. Just think, well, let's just pretend you don't exist. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, let's eat some apple crumble. But before we go, Lee, um, can you tell us where we can check out some of your best recent stuff? Uh, offworld.com is my website. I'm the editor-in-chief. I run it with Laura Hudson, who's the senior editor. And if you hate capitalism, you might like our <laughs> games, which are often made by independent creators, um, free, low-spec. If you want to see cool, weird things people are doing that don't actually take a whole lot of your time and money and that are made creatively and humanely, um, often uh, by marginalized creators and women, please go to offworld.com. I do like to go to offworld.com <laughs> to just get a warm fuzzy feeling about games. It's like if there's ever if there's ever bullshit. Like the the yin and yang is you go to like what is the games industry drama? Like what's killing video games today or whatever the hell that website's called. Yeah, you go, you go to that and then you go to Offworld and you've had a little roller coaster. Things we have try gone to bad. be stridently post bullshit. We try to present a non-core, non-consumer centric and uh, socially progressive face for games that sounds stuff. very complicated it's it does right. sound complicated I'll just say I really like it because it's different <laughs> and I really like it because you can go to any games website and you'll get a slightly different flavour of exactly the same thing whereas if I just think what's going on that I don't know about I can click on it and I can within a few minutes find out lots of really interesting things about lots of interesting projects yeah, right on. and creators that I just didn't know about thank and you so much for saying cool. that and for having me on and giving me a chance to talk about that absolute pleasure absolute pleasure thank and of course you. if you like the stuff that me and Quinn do you can check that out on coolghost.net which is not as good as Offworld but it does <laughs> have a very very cool pink wow. background and some ghosts. Wow. It's got more. It's got one hundred percent more ghosts than Offworld. Yeah, I, I, I would say that Cool Ghost is a friend of Offworld. Wow, yeah. that's very kind. That's have to, we'll have to speak yes. to the ghosts and see how they feel <laughs> let, about this. Let, let the ghosts know that they come highly recommended. They, by they us. can stay over whenever they like. Yay! Uh, but yeah, we do videos and stuff as well as Dark Souls podcast. We do videos. I do occasionally little writing bits when I've got a cold and I can't do videos. Uh, but pop along, say hello, and look at the stuff. And do check out Offworld. Thanks very much again for joining us, Lee. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. That was a good.